And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. Well, it's 6.27. We are in our Cosham studio yeah. and coming to the nation live. Our Cosham Lounge studio. The Cosham Lounge studio, I think that's... It makes it sound a little more, a little bit more salubrious, but um, yeah, it's it is, my front room. It is your front room, yeah, and and, and but it has a certain, certain classiness to it, I think. Um, yeah, it's just kind of you know full of sound equipment and you know confused cats. Um, but so here we are, episode twenty six. Um, is it really that many? It is episode twenty six. Oh, yeah, flies by, doesn't it? I know. It's it's good. Well, next month will be. Our first anniversary. Will it? We should have to. We'll have a party. We'll have a party. Yeah. We'll we'll have cake and everything. Special EU shaped cake. Um. So. Which is twenty eight slices, but one's missing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And just a really angry person in the corner saying yeah. that you um you, yeah. you took back control of your cake. Should we? Should we have a Michel Varnier's face on him? <laughs> um. We we can if you want, or you know Adam Fleming from the BBC. Yeah. Uh, Brexit cast podcast. I don't know, but anyway, so we um, we twittering on. So uh, sadly, we weren't able to line up a guest for today. No, we would like to send our regards to Scott Peter Harris. Unfortunately, his granddad is is quite poorly, and um, Scott has uh, obviously done the right thing by going to see his granddad rather than wasting pointless time jabbering away to us. So uh, yeah, Scott, thoughts with you and the family. Um, yeah, indeed. Yeah, real life. Yes, indeed. There is life outside the podcast. There is definitely life outside politics. So we, we've got a smorgasbord of questions, well, not questions, of topics that we wanted to talk about today. We picked probably the, the better ones. Um, but don't forget, if you did actually want to call in and talk to us, um, then that would be great because um, you can call us on 07475 837 999. That's 07475 837 999. That is the Pompey Politics Podcast hotline marvelous yes so topics so our first topic is about underwear based deflagration isn't it excuse me liar liar <laughs> pants on fire yeah so what we wanted to talk about here is um some of the stuff that's gone been going on locally um and indeed it kind of it goes on it goes on nationally but it, it's kind of it, there's been a local element to it that, that we wanted to we wanted to explore which was that, so there have been a couple of things from either side, uh, either political parties, where someone has said something that isn't, um, isn't correct, um, they've made a mistake, or, um, or um, basically they, you know, they've, they've, they've misspoken, as, as the kind of the, the term is. So when you, so a really kind of recent, uh, recent spat that kind of turned up was, a, was the conversation about whether a member of the uh, the Labour members of the council actually did or didn't turn up to a cabinet meeting. Um, and uh, one side was saying that the, that person was there, um, but then the other side was saying, well, actually, that person was there, but only for 40 minutes. And there's obviously videos of showing that that person wasn't there. But that kind of, at the end of the day, is that really what people want to be absorbed about, about discussing whether or not a particular person was in a room or not? Um, and indeed, actually, whether there's actually any value in that person being in that room anyway, because it's you know it's it's not kind of a, you know a publicly interacting meeting anyway. So, so in that sort of respect, another another examples were things that were um, that might have been said in error by um, political candidates in the run up to the general election. Um, and I think that's where we we have to look at this in terms of, I, I, when we look at the sort of whole social media thing as a whole it's great and you know look we're loving it here it's a chance to interact and get on with people but far too often in the world particularly of local politics it is becoming more and more adversarial and i i think there's an element of you know when you look at the threads that sometimes develop on these it, it's almost doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong just by the fact that we're having the discussion makes it just all seem a little bit petty and, and you kind of think well whether Bob Hope was there or not really did it make you know or is it just this kind of I don't know have I got to make myself look better than you by 
rather than saying, standing by my good works, pointing out that you smell a bit. It, it, it does, and, and to, we, wanted, we wanted to be clear to try and bring in actually all parties, because at the end of the day, I think everybody falls into this trap. I don't, I don't want to use the word guilty. Um, so an example that I can point out where um, the leader of the local conservative group um, used the turn of phrase in the council chamber at the budget meeting last week um, that was an unfortunate turn of phrase um, that has kind of poor connotations when they were called out on it to be fair they kind of offered it you know Donna offered a non-apology kind of apology but at the end of the day someone says something that isn't meant and it's important that you know that what I guess there's a whole our point of this conversation was on one hand we want people to you know it's important that people are saying what they mean and meaning what they say but Surely all of our politicians are human beings and they can get facts wrong yep. about claiming how someone voted in the past. They can get information, you know, whoever's, you know, someone posting something on social media feed can get can get incorrect information about whether a particular person was in a particular meeting for all of that meeting or not. And, and you know, do we, do we want to get into a, into a fraudery about how someone said something that, um, you know that, that some people might call a particularly offensive remark, but honestly, do we believe that that person's homophobic? Well, you know, uh, yeah. Do, do are all of these? Does anybody win out of this? Um, out of this situation where where all of the sides, all of the sides, try to point out that someone is is a deliberate is deliberately misleading or a liar because someone's made a mistake. And I think. It, it, for, think? Yeah, for me, it's particularly poignant in local politics mm. um, because if you look at our local councillors, and there are 42 of them in number. There are. And, you know, what drives them on? Is it the money or is it the glamour? Oh, I'm not sure it's either really, is it? Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there was... was it someone said to me, is that... People in someone that I heard third hand from someone is that is an observation that people in people in politics are one of two things: they're either social climbers or social workers. So, in the sense of they're either there to try and help people or they're there to try and kind of get ahead. And most people are actually there trying to trying to do something to help. Um, but if you though everybody disagrees on what and how, yeah, right? But if you're a local Portsmouth councillor, then what what is you know. Uh, what is the what is that going to be the leg up into? Okay, you're going to know some people in local business. You're going to create a network. You're going to do all of those things. You might even get to go and do a little bit of telly on South Today or you know the, the Sunday local politics show. But it's not exactly the bright lights of Broadway, is it? <laughs> do you know what I mean? And 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 on the flip side of that. You know, there is an element of, if you look at any of the prominent um, social media feeds of any of the prominent, you know, the sort of well-known local politicians, it, it's usually a heady mix of adoration and damnation in almost equal proportion. And you kind of look at it and think, well, uh, do we, to your point, are we just waiting for one of the other teams to slip up and make a mistake so that we can pile on them and point out what a terribly bad person they are. Um, yeah, it's... And I, and I understand that, you know, because there are, you know, some things are kind of different points of view of a person did or didn't say that or, or a, yep. an organisation did or didn't do this. Well, this is what they meant by saying this in their leaflet. But at the end of the day, I don't know who wins out of that, out of that sort of... I, I can't see... All of the conversations I've had with people over the phone or on doorsteps or that I've, you know, that I've met on when I've been doing street stores in the public, not one of them has says, not one of, the, not one of them has been excited by, oh, you showed out that X person was lying or you did this. I mean, sometimes people get excited about that, but the only people that seem to get excited about that, it's like the only people that get excited about the, the political leaflets that people print are the people printing political leaflets. The, the normal people... So not people like me. Mm. Um, aren't bothered. They've got other things to do. They've got a life. You know, they, they, you know they're worried about getting the kids you know, yeah. fed or, you know, getting in from work and, um, and and other kind of like normal sane sort of stuff. So I, I, I don't know. I, that, that's kind of the thing we were trying to throw out there is at the end of the day, no one 
is coming out of that sort of conversation. If if all political parties are basically just standing at the edge of a room, pointing at each other, shouting "liar, liar," no one is winning. No, because the public just trust no, not just distrust all of them. And and I think actually, sorry to cut in there, no, but right. I actually think at a national level, we do love all that. I, I think at a national level, the the characterization and the demonization of political leaders is something that we we all oh not we all because I, I won't tire everybody but i join in i got stick in the past for my observation of nicola sturgeon as little jimmy cranky i have a, may have on occasion used phrases like magic granddad for um my old chum Jeremy Corbyn and others seem quite happy with um, suggesting that Boris Johnson is far from being a good man so I think at a national level we're good with that but at a local level I really don't think it matters as much I think when we try and when people try and play those games A there almost isn't enough to work with to make a a character assassination and B kind of I you know, whatever somebody's political... And I think we've learned this on this podcast. Whatever anyone's political persuasion, even if we didn't know them before, when we've actually sat and chatted to them, irrespective of their politics, we found them to be pretty decent human beings. Yeah, well, th- this is it. There aren't, there aren't any kind of, like, you know, multi-headed monsters or, you know... Um people, ki- you know, kicking puppies that are, you know... we. People that are doing this, to be honest with you, it's it's a rather kind of um, it's it, you know to get to get involved and being stuck. There's got, there's almost got to be something a bit wrong with you to want to do it in the first place. Um, but in order to actually kind of get any traction, you've got to. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of hard work, and you spend a lot of time in doing things. Um, so yeah. to kind of want to do that, you you've really got to kind of be you've got to be driven and um, by by something else other than necessarily kind of this this impression of kind of glory or just like my name in a paper kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah, it, it, I, I think there's a there's a kind of a wider national conversation about uh, when did we start moving from attacking the person instead of the policy? When did we start talking about whether we believe this person thinks that even though we can't prove that because of basically how they looked at this particular photograph that was taken at a particular time or how they showed up to this particular meeting? I, th- I think there's there's kind of things about um, things to think there about how it's easy to spread messages that are fake news and how there's a there's I don't know critical thinking as a thing to that we were talking about. But as well, we mentioned that. I was trying to lead in there for you to mention the future episode that we've got. Yeah, there. I was just about to go. So okay. so we have got uh, next week we've got a special on fake news and misrepresentation in the media and and I think that it's going to be a fascinating topic to cover because there are so many areas where the you know where the media takes what are really genuine kind of issues and just either trivializes them or you know, just subtly misrepresents what has and hasn't been said. You know, and again, if you want an example, there's the famous photograph, wasn't there, back a, probably about a year ago, where Nicola Sturgeon and Theresa May were sat next to each other and both were wearing skirts. And the headline was, forget Brexit, who's one legs it? And you just think, for the love of... Yeah, and it, and it's. I mean, the the, the sad thing is, a lot of, a lot of this stuff that the that the papers, you know, because predominantly it's it's the print media, yeah, um, that they put out, and obviously we we've seen, you know, recently with, but the but the the problem is is fundamentally is that what what the me what the print media have learned is if they print salacious stuff, if they print really grabby headlines, even if they actually bear no correlation whatsoever to the article that they're written in. Um, people buy them well, or people click. Yeah, yeah. Or, or indeed, actually, yeah, in a digital yeah. age, people click on those click. things. So, are, are they failing us, or are we failing ourselves by swallowing it? Yeah, and I think that is going to be one of the so main, main themes for next week. But locally, hmm. if any of the local politicians are listening, stop it. Hmm. It's not big. It's not clever, and it doesn't make you smell nice. Politicians, not politicians. Oh, that could work for us, couldn't it? Yeah. Maybe yeah. I should. I'll put that in a leaflet. I think you should. <laughs> being, being the spin doctor that you are. <laughs> Stop it. 
stop it. Um, no, what was the phrase I used there? I can't no, remember. No, don't, <laughs> don't you dare. Don't you dare. Yes, our pre-show conversation, because despite all evidence to the contrary, we actually speak briefly before, before we go live about... Um, about what we're going to discuss and how we're going to kind of work through uh, the things that we want to discuss. Um, and Ian said a particularly untasteful thing, but um, he compared me to someone else. Um, anyway, so what was the other thing we were going to talk about? We're going to talk. We we're going to move on to talking about um, coronavirus. Yeah, I've done, the other thing I've realised is that with these live sessions, yeah. whereas before we would have hit the whole three people by the way at the moment oh that's fine no, it, again with all the time the audience outnumbers the presenters we're, indeed we're, but i mean considering that to be fair um your wife and my sister is one of them hi nikki well that's that still counts it's nice that she, well, she he leaves the house and you, you still tune in to listen to him that's well cool. it's only because she can ridicule my politics i'm sure of that well yeah because uh, yeah because no, yeah. she knows that you're wrong no oh, no 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 stop it stop it so coronavirus and this is oh god now i'm now i feel slightly intimidating owing to the fact that my lovely wife and simon's sister is in fact a microbiologist um and knows much more about these things than we do um but we could, we'll give it a go anyway and perhaps there'll be things pop up in the chat i think the coronavirus knows more about microbiology than i do uh, well this, so. this could be the case so we've got a situation where um i think it was back last december where the chap whose name you've written down I have and I've turned the page and uh, uh, yes yeah, sorry it's, uh, Dr Li Wenlang um, who was a who uh, was a doctor in uh, Wuhan who'd tried to um, raise concerns to fellow medics at the end of December um, he'd, he'd basically posted some um, some information with concerns that there were some um, there'd been a um, a small number of patients that had come in showing similar symptoms and he was concerned uh, that it might be something kind of uh, might be something along the lines of SARS yep um, so he'd raised concerns um, but um, but sadly three days later he was he was told by the authorities that by the police to, to stop um, so this is I tried pronouncing this earlier on and completely got it wrong so here we go no pressure so the ophthalmologist yep yay um, he'd raised concerns after seven patients uh, basically had been quarantined um, with a with a suspected uh, virus, um, and the Public Security Bureau had um, basically told him had made him sign a letter admitting that um, that he'd been making making face uh, face comment face false comments. I can't even read my own writing, let yeah. alone speak. Um, false comments. Um, um, and severely disturbed the social order. Um, now the authorities later apologised to him because of that, um, because sadly he'd he'd actually passed away. He'd actually fallen victim to the to the virus. So yes. um So I'm going to say yes at that point. Let's not try with the tin foil hat. Come on, you're no. always you're always criticising no. people with no. going on about five G masks. I am absolutely happy to do that. Mm. I just raise an eyebrow that. A fit man in his mid thirties, whereas has died of the virus, whereas the majority of people who unfortunately have passed away as a result of the virus are the elderly, the infirm, and those with compromised immuno systems. So I'm not going to call conspiracy theory, but I am surprised that he died and disappointed. Obviously, not as much as him and his family, but yes. So it's broken out. Our friends in China. Although I don't think I've got any anymore, um, attempted well, to now. no no attempted to contain it using various means, and we are now at that situation where probably our media has been dominated by it uh, for the past three or four weeks, and we've had our friends, the social media couple who were on the cruise liner, moored off the coast of Japan. Yes, and um, played bitterly until they were taken off of the ship um they now have the virus and then there was the whole debate about well, I don't know i'm not sure that they've got the virus but yeah, i know have. that oh it was them yeah yeah yeah. because i know that four of the people that were taken from the uk so four of the people that were from the uk taken off that cruise ship yep. that were repatriated and put into quarantine yes have been declared if they, they've got the virus yeah, so they landed mm. yesterday mm -hmm. so effectively they took off the people that had the virus um, and then they evacuated everybody who had the piece of paper that said, I do not have the virus, 
put them on a plane. But unfortunately, the piece of paper saying I don't have the virus is only valid at the point when somebody tests to see whether you've got it. And there's a 14-day incubation period. So all of those people have mm. landed. Um, and of course, you know, four of them are now tested positive mm. for it. But those four people have been sat for, I'm not sure how many hours it is. Oh, I have been to Japan. It was about 15 hours coming back. They've been sat in metal tube with other people who may now well have contracted the virus. Yeah, so I, I mean, I guess there's 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 a kind of question about there is that if you're in a quarantine area, aren't you kind of best staying there rather than coming somewhere else? I, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, I'm yeah. I'm an ill-informed person. And no. The last thing I'd want to be doing is kind of alarming people because because also because things like this, whenever whenever they happen, they get lots of coverage in yep. in the media. Um, but actually, every winter, you know, lots more people um, sadly pass away from flu. Yep. Or you know, pass away from you know, especially people with suppressed immune immunity immune system. immune systems. Yeah. Um. So you know, on a, on a kind of scale, yes, it's 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 an horrendous thing, and it's it's awful for the you know that anybody that that's suffering it, and, so, and obviously for the anybody that sadly has passed passed away from it. But from a point of view of trying to put it into context, what we do, you know, we're definitely not kind of trying to you know, at the end of the day, it's it, not about the yeah. alert about that. Our our kind of point there was. Hang on, someone's tried to do the right thing to point out, and and you get examples in organisations where people trying to report the, whist- uh, the, whistleblower. the whistleblowers, so yep. people trying to report the uncomfortable truths, the, the facts, you know, similar sorts of things were when when they did the investigations into what caused uh, the special um, challenger to yep um, to to explain, you know, the, the failure of the O-ring seal. You know, there were people that expressed concerns about that. When you look at kind of things like that, there's People that are on the ground are actually experiencing it, are trying to report that. So there's there's always a, a that's more of a culture issue, and by which I mean the organisation itself. There's a danger, isn't there? And there's a lesson to be learned of any culture, whatever it is, whether that's the NHS, whether that's NASA, or whether that's you know whether that's a hospital in in China. At the end of the day, any organisation that isn't willing to listen to what the people on the front line are saying and are actually actively trying to ignore or silence them, ultimately people pay the price for that and yeah and there's I, a lesson for all of us and i guess in this situation had they have listened to him had they have acted upon the information sooner I, i'm not sure they could have put the genie back in the bottle i think we still would be where we are now mm-hmm. um and it, it's interesting if you if you read around the subject that the it's interesting that this one is not going to go away quickly so, you know, it's not like, you know, give it another few weeks, it all will have blown over. Um, you know, this one I think is going to, I think some of the, the estimates that I read said, if we do it, manage it really well, you know, it could be the end of the year. By the end of the year, we might have it all packed away. I mean, the upside is, and you touched on it yourself there, whilst it is scary and it's actually more contagious than the flu, the mortality rates from it are lower than the flu so you know there is that element of if you are immunocompromised or you're elderly or you're frail um, the best thing you can do is get yourself along to your GP and get your flu shot done or you should have got that done end of last year rather than potentially you know worrying about the coronavirus coming and getting you yeah there are things that are much more likely to actually affect you that actually have a more severe chance of affecting you if 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 you do encounter them that you probably should so i guess there's the there's a thing there but yeah our point wasn't to kind of talk about the the virus itself but we're actually to kind of talk about the there's an organizational thing there about we should be willing to listen to and act on um what people are reporting yeah and i guess it 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 was a interesting piece there was the uh david davis was on the Andrew Marshall. Um, Andrew Marshall this morning writing a very, very angry piece about Huawei and suggesting that this was the biggest failure of the Secret Service since they employed Kim Philby. And I, I, I you know, whilst I don't know enough about 5G, I know that it doesn't fry your brain, you don't need a tinfoil hat, but there is an element of I do worry, if I'm being honest, that the Chinese state is heavily involved in in Huawei as a corporation and 
I think if we look at their behaviour over this, um, you know, this this incident and the way in which they've they've, you know, managed the outbreak and managed the information and managed what the doctor was trying to say, um, it does concern me if they might have influence. And again, it touches on next week's show uh, of what's what what we can and can't see from within the five G network of the future. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, what David Davies was talking about was the concern that of the five eyes, which is the intelligence agencies that are yep. America, Australia, New Zealand, us, and France, Canada, Can- Canada, Canada. Um, so, um, Australia have, all, have already basically made a decision that they didn't want to. They, they are not touching Huawei. They're, they're not touching with, with a, the Huawei stuff. Didgeridoo um, or any other suitable no, length I, stick. But the Americans aren't primarily. You, you know, you you could argue that the Americans want to make sure that an American um, firm is able to produce that infrastructure and therefore actually demand that it's sold to the countries with which they have a, a strong relationship with. So I'm just trying to, you know, a, just yeah, trying to point a, that. So and, it, and also. Um, in a situation where we're looking, you know, we're an outward-facing, globally trading nation. Yep. Um, that um, do we think that we're going to get a good trading relationship with China if we sell, if we tell them that we're willing to buy some things from them, but not some other things? We're willing to buy nuclear power plants from them, but not willing them to willing to allow them to put up parts of the wireless. Sorry, the the five G mm-hmm. network. Um, but we'd still like a good trade deal with them, please. If you thanks, I don't, I don't know. No, and I think there is that there, there is that balancing act, isn't it? And when we a trade deal is going to be a whole lid off another, you know, arrangement. Which is, I I find some of the discussions around trade deals fascinating by their sort of double edged nature. Which is, do we want a good trade deal with China? Mm, what does that mean? Well, does that mean that we Depends want what you call good? Well, and that's again we're becoming a little bit, you know, <laughs> if a trade deal falls over in a forest, does anybody hear it? Kind of, we're getting a bit existential. But I, I guess for me, it's that: do you want cheap tat imported into the UK so that we can buy lots of stuff cheaply, which we know has been manufactured by exploited labour, earning pitiful wages in unsanitary and unsafe conditions is that a price we're quite happy to pay so that i can get three tops for a tenner from primark is that a good trade deal for us well i i, I don't know because because at the end of the day if you're if you're a free marketeer you're imagining me in a primark top aren't you? that i'm not i'm really really not <laughs> um of all the things no 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 um Okay, I've got my <laughs> psychologist on speed I've, dial. I've, um, I've, so, um, so, yeah, I guess I guess it kind of comes down to at the end of the day, um, if you believe in free markets without tariff barriers, I, you know, all right, <clears throat> you know, the one like the ones we've just walked away from. Yep. But if you believe in free markets without without tariff barriers, then you are also believe you believe you you're willing to you. You're willing to accept that you're exposing our manufacturing sector, which admittedly is about twenty less than twenty percent of our economy. Yep. You're exposing our manufacturing sector to competition with parts of the world which have a much lower standard of living, or actually a much lower cost because of yeah. inflationary pressures, etc. So you 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 kind of got to be willing that. Um, willing to kind of trade off with that because some things you can compete on because they're you know they're specialist knowledge or it yep. doesn't you know from a response point of view it's actually better to have it manufactured here than it is manufactured on the other side of the world where you perhaps got less of a control over quality and then actually have it shipped over here there's all the mi- intermixed of the, of the is it the right thing to be shipping goods like that all back and forwards across the planet all, all of those sorts of things but um do there's those there's those i guess there's those trade-offs to con- to consider and our relationship with uh, China, and indeed our relationship with America, yep. um, will isn't you know our relationship with them on trade doesn't sit in isolation to our relationship with them on other things. No, no, absolutely. And I think you know when when we if we come back to the whole sort of Huawei, is it a good thing? I look at the Australians, and and for me, you know, I, I, I get the American piece. 
you know mm. it, you know trump is very much america first you know who can make one of these systems oh look there's huawei or there's general electric or somebody similar i think we should have the general Ele-. well of course he's going to do that but i look at the the australians and for me they don't strike me as a particularly xenophobic or inward nasal gazing gazing country and china's sort of on their you know okay it's a big old place but it it's relatively close to them so I kind of I have to ask myself the question why would Australia shut the door on Huawei when that would seem from a if you like a global partner if they're not able to do it themselves and I'm I'm largely unaware of the Australian telecoms industry why would they close the door on their one of their near neighbors who obviously has a has a quite a lot of skin in that particular game well and unless i guess and and again it's a guess but unless one of the other large partners of the five eyes told them that actually we're not gonna you're not gonna get the protection from being part of the five eyes network or you we're gonna hold certain information from you if you go down this road road route so um to be fair i should call out um stuart prince is, is calling us out um so talking about fake news um, he's calling us out. He's saying that 28% of the global manufacturing is done in China, and it isn't cheap. Uh, cheap tat. Sorry, my screen's just frozen at that point. Um, and it isn't cheap tat. Lots of tech, pharma, and the like come from China now. And to be honest, how many iPhones are manufactured in China? So, so to be fair, it's, see, that there's that element to it as well. Yeah, you're you're right, Connor Stewart. I mean, you know, dec- many decades ago, people had a similar disparaging impression of goods that were manufactured in Japan. Yeah, and um, and... and the, in, the interesting thing, and one so that Stuart doesn't really work out, does it? Stuart's an old chum of mine, and and one of the things that I'm sure he would acknowledge is that effectively China has no patent laws over there. Um, so you have the situation where, if you choose to get your high tech product manufactured in China, then there is absolutely nothing to stop a Chinese company effectively stealing your design, or in the case of your medicine, your unique patent. And just making a generic, a generic copy of it, and nobody in China minds. So if you go ever go and have a look at Chinese, I can't remember the name of the Chinese car manufacturer, you'll notice that their best-selling model looks remarkably like a BMW um, X5. And the answer is because they bought some BMW X5s, took them to bits, made identical bits, and put them back together as the Chinese car company. So there is an element of... You know, again, if you are going to if you are going to enter into a trade based dance with China, you've got to recognise that that you are not competing on a very level playing field. Hmm. So let's let's move on from from a coronavirus and a question about let's yeah. kind of explored into a, yeah, so a into a into a thing about um, trade with China. China. Yeah, yeah. We, we've um, we've yeah. digressed. Um, so we're at seven o'clock, so we're ha- we're halfway through the show. Yeah, well. So we're doing well. Um, we've got we have now a grand total of four people. Hi, Kimberly, just joined. Um, oh, and Stuart Prince is um, okay. Eighteen percent of Australia's imports imports in two thousand and eighteen were from China. That's the fifth. Yeah. yeah so. Um, He's doing great with the stats. He, he is. We, we might employ Thank you, mate. We might on, have to, one and Stewie, we might have to... Uh, we might we'll, have to get you into... Well, look, don't forget, the telephone number is 07475 Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. You might need an interpreter, though. Why? He's quite... Well, he claims to be Welsh. He's actually a scouser. Oh, son. God, he's not doing this again, is he? Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I apologise, listeners. That's well, all right. I, I can I, actually I, say plural because I can see that there's four. I can help. Um... I don't know that that's what I would call it. So okay, so so moving on. So what we got? So we've talked a little bit about Australia. So one of the things about Australia that's been coming up recently that was until the floods kind of took over the the kind of the national um, conversation was about um, the number ten. We're talking about pursuing a, an Australia style deal. Ah, oh, the trade. Yes, an Australia style. Because now that now that we're out of the EU, well, we are. We are. We have. I had a had a really heated conversation with a shall I say a Lib Dem colleague the other day, where they weren't very happy that I kept pointing out that we'd actually left. 
Well, what, what were they hoping? Were they hoping that if you didn't mention, well, if you say it three times, it happens? Is no, that, was that their no, logic? No, no. This this particular person was disagreeing that. So they were saying that we haven't left because we're still in the in, and these are their words. We're still in the EU because we're still following their rules. And my response was, but we've left because we're no longer a member. We've agreed mm. because of the transition period to continue following their rules, but we have actually left. We are no longer a member. And then he talked about the money, um, and I said, well, and he said, well, that's a membership. And I said, well, no, it isn't. It is a payment because it's our share of the costs yep. ongoing, but it isn't a membership fee. Because we're not a member. No. Um, and it got quite... Um, yeah, I don't think he liked it. Um, well, and, it, and again... But there we go. But it's a, in, in, the, in the whole history of this three and a half, four and a half, five... Oh, God, however long debate, most... most if two Lib Dems in a car can't agree, then yeah, yeah, what yeah, hope is the world got? Absolutely. <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> that, a, shut, stop yeah, it. A, stop it. No, I'm not going there. So, okay. Australia... So yeah, so the uh, the quite unquote Australian style trade deal now the Australian deal and tell the truth. Um, so um, I'm not going to do it again. No, I don't think so. Um, well, there isn't one, and again, it was a, an amusingly misleading term. So I will give you my perspective on where I think we are at the moment and why I'm slightly concerned and perplexed. Which is that having looked at the political declaration and having looked at the way in which everything seemed to be going it would seem to me very obvious that we were heading towards a Canada style deal so the EU has an arrangement with Canada where I think almost everything is frictionless with a few things where there are divergent standards where they are kind of there's an exceptions-based process. And it seemed to me, and I have read discourse in the newspaper, that I think the UK left the negotiating table with the understanding of that's the way we're going to go, and that works for everybody. Um, but they did, but they also agreed certain other things in order to do that. So they agreed to continue regulatory alignment in order, to, in order for that to work. There's, there's further bits in the small print of that in order for that to work. So this this is kind of the, to be honest with you, this is the deceit that Number 10 have tried to pull. You know, they're trying to say that say that the EU, oh, they've, cha they've changed their kind of... No, it's Number 10 that have changed it because they're saying that they're no longer actually following regulatory alignment. So that's why there's a different response. At the end of the day, the, the EU have kind of been really consistent. So, But the point about... So the can point, I just cut in on the Canada yeah, deal? Yeah, sure. Canada. So the, can the Canada deal... Oh, Canada. It's an awful national anthem. I'm a big connoisseur of national anthems. Don't rate Canada. Don't rate Australia, South go, Africa. Go Canucks. Uh, best, best national anthem in the whole year. But anyway, I digress. Um, so the Canada deal basically has the, has the caveat that says if there are things where we are not in regulatory alignment, they fall outside of the deal. Yeah, but that works for someone that's a couple of thousand miles away. Sorry, I don't know how far away Canada is from Europe, so... Point me up on my geog geographical numptiness. Um, but we're 26 miles away. I so there's, there's a bit of difference. I don't see what the difference is. And we have a land border with the European Union. I'm still not sure what the difference is. So the, the, the difference <laughs> Wait, is... Tell that to anyone trying to ship stuff. No, no, I get that. And Stewie's going to go... So Stewie, I worked with as a, a, a warehouse and logistics manager and is going to get very excited about shipping stuff. But there is an element of you're still going to have to ship stuff. Yeah, you, you, no one's saying you're not going to ship stuff. Yeah, we can't just lob it over the channel. No, no. But the but the point is, if you if you are not ex, if you are expecting to maintain a situation where the current level of checks, i.e., none, may, continues, then you need to have an agreement that you're basically that nothing that falls outside of regulatory alignment with the EU is shipped into the EU because that's what the whole point yeah. about the you know, that's what the whole argument has been about and. Um, uh, about the issue about the the land border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, um, that has been you know that Theresa May struggled to actually deal with, but Boris Johnson has managed to deal with by setting up a by effectively creating a border between Great Britain and Northern Ireland and pretending it isn't there. But the point we're trying to make the point I wanted to make here about this Australian style deal there isn't an Australian style deal the, the Australians don't have a deal no. with the European Union so to talk about 
Australia that we're, we're pursuing an Australian style deal. So again, it's about this. So we were talking earlier on about when people are misspeaking or someone you know someone gets their facts wrong. You know that's something different to actually deliberately choosing language in order to try and actually and this is kind of beyond spin, isn't it? It's trying to say we told you that no deal wasn't going to happen, mm. even though we were telling them that no deal was going to happen and wondering why they didn't believe us because they can read our newspapers um, and then tried to prepare for no deal and then moved the date of when that was happening yep. several several times and all sorts of stuff like that. So now we're in a situation where having promised the electorate that, that, um, that we would, you know, having originally promised the electorate that there would be a fancy easy deal within within basically the next day i think it was david davis that said that wasn't it um that um you know that all of these things were easy if anything if anything's turned out to be true it's that over the last four years we know that is it isn't easy and people deserve to know the truth which is that if we're calling what what happens at the end of december this year an australian style deal when no such deal exists what we mean is no deal and, and and if that's what we mean, then that's then I would ask them to be honest about that, yeah, and prepare for that, uh, and to deal with the concerns that businesses have about that. I'm not, you know, at the end of the day, the the die is cast, the decision is made. Yeah. But let's be honest. Let's not try to kid the electorate. No, and I think there is an element of of, uh, and again, perhaps the phrase Australian style deal. I think most most people <laughs> understood what what that meant. But there, Do you there, think? well, I I'd, I'd like to think so. Um, but there's an element of again we're we're not at the point where the deal is done so you know this is true so for me there is an element of and i i simply don't understand why the canada deal works so yes and again it's about it's about that intent thing that we touched on in the first topic if you think that we are going to come out of regulatory alignment let's let's use a one of our old favorites and we're going to sign a yes, please. Can we have your chlorinated chicken thing with America? And we're going to bring over great boatloads of chlorinated chicken, and then sneak it into the EU, pretending that oh no, that's your organic free-range chicken, mate. That is. Well, if you look for those sinister potentials, they'll be there. But they're just as sinister. The same sinister opportunity exists with. Their friends in Canada, they may be further away, but if they choose to ship in stuff that's outside of the 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 agreement that you've got between the two sides, if they choose to be actively dishonest, they can do that. Um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, anybody shipping across borders where you're not checking 100% of goods yeah. has the ability to do that. But most... Um, trade with you know for, for a start there's a very very low amount of actual goods that are actually checked it's less than five yep. percent it's probably even as low as two percent so yes there is a percentage there, there is a there is a, a, a an opportunity if you wanted if you wanted to do that to actually flood the market in the same way that we get um you know people here can be quite widely understood if they get um cheap imitation goods flooding in from other countries that end up on certain street stall markets i'm not going to name a particular one that actually turn out to be unsafe and end up on like loads of safety tv telephone you know television programs this could be yeah a potential death trap we plugged this into you know into the mains and actually found out that it set fire you know all all this sort of stuff so um so there is that potential but that potential is that unless you're actually going to check every single thing that comes across the border there is always that potential but the but the the opportunity to check goods that are shipped from Canada that that there's a lot less of than to being able to the opportunity to check or intercept goods that are that are going into a into the into the single market against a land border yep um and against you know we've also you know obviously got the channel tunnel as well as as well as um cross channel trade so I, that's why they're different that's why they're not the same thing because they you know in that in that respect they're different so um but Stuart they, points out by the way that, that Canada is 3621 miles I he's our he resident fact checker would, today I knew he would brilliant cheers Stuart <laughs> thanks but, but, but my point is this though Simon is that the shipment that comes in from Canada yeah. into the EU yes isn't checked because we've got an arrangement whereby 
we have a we have an understanding between the EU and Canada that says you are going to fair play fair by us we are going to play fair by you and that good neighborly trading arrangement works very well between Canada and the EU and the other thing that I, I find in this discussion which which I always think is a bit odd okay is that it is a two-way street and Canada works for the EU and works for us and at the moment we are broadly in regulatory alignment we're in regulatory alignment but in terms of things like you know if you look at things like the minimum wage that there is a minimum wage in the UK there is in some EU countries in other EU countries there isn't a minimum wage so you know we we are you suggesting there are some laws that the EU don't impose on other EU countries? I am saying that. But what I'm, no. also, what I'm also saying is that would we be churlish if we refused to accept goods from the EU where their citizens were not paid a decent minimum wage? Or, or would, that be us, would that be us being good citizens for the, the, you know, the world economy? Or would that be us being churlish and awkward? My, my point is... For both sides, a as frictionless as it can be is best for everybody. And there is an element of if you want to split hairs, we can all do that. Well, yeah, there is there is a point, but I guess if you're trying to set up a situation where you want as frictionless trade yep. as possible, that's already a climb down from frictionless frictionless trade. By the way, yep. Um, but what you keep doing is saying that I'm going to diverge. What response do you expect from the other party? I think there is an element of what was, and and again, it's about the semantics of language. We may diverge. Yeah, but but so there is an well, element of if we diverge. Let's say you can pick anything you like. Mm-hmm. If we diverge, and I, look, I'll be playful here. If we start importing curved bananas and the EU, can we pick something that's actually true? No, but I know it's I know it's made up nonsense. But my yeah, point, but it was made up. I know it was made up nonsense. I, by I, the PM, I don't get that. So, so there is an element of if we become divergent on a fruit of your choosing, yeah, then the free trade of those fruits between and to be fair, we don't grow a lot of bananas in the UK. Although Portsmouth is. The it, to um yeah. two two thirds or three quarters yes. of the UK's trade in banana no, ships through Portsmouth ships through International Port- Ferry. Sorry, um, inter- stra- not the ferry port, the port. The port straight or curved, we don't mind. Um, so there is an element of if we choose to diverge at that point, well, that comes off of the list of things that we can trade freely. And well, no, but I, but you don't write a trade, but your trading ability. If you're if what you're saying, you know, following the logic through of what you're saying, if things aren't checked because you have an agreement but you agree that you're actually going to diverge on that thing, at what point do you realise that you've actually diverged and therefore stopped doing it? You're relying on someone to stop sending you the thing that no longer reach your, meets your requirements. Well, that's about, that's about the review of the ongoing relationship, isn't it? Right. And, and bearing in mind that over the last four years, we've shown, we've shown that when we, even when we did know what we were asking for, we kept changing it. If you're trying to reach an agreement with someone about a future uh, about a future arrangement, that's a really that's like trying to build a house on sand, isn't it? I think fundamentally that the point here is because the intricacies of the international trade. To be fair, neither of us know enough about actually how that works. Nope. But from a point of view of we have a different situation than any other trade deal in history, in that we are starting from the same point. Yes, I in, and and instead of starting from two differing points and actually trying to converge we're actually starting from the same point and trying to find a way of diverging without actually breaking the bus so yeah. there's a there's a there's a difference in in, in, in our some situation. elements in some elements we we we, we, but, but we almost not, certainly will diverge over time but we're not specifying what how and when no because we don't so how can we how can we expect someone to agree a trade deal with us well because the trade deal is all, all trade deals are fluid aren't they so we have a situation. No, they're not. No, you, if you if something changes and you don't like it, you have to then renegotiate, you and you it. only get to renegotiate that if that's either in the agreement or the other party agrees that they want to renegotiate it. But you review it periodically, and I guess my point is, and this is which I keep coming back to, mm-hmm. the EU makes the Canada deal work with Canada, which is exactly it's exactly the same scenario where 
on the vast majority of things there's regulatory alignment mm. on some things there isn't regulatory alignment and those are not included in the frictionless deal so canada and again i don't know how the mechanics of it work oh now here is where this somebody's is going to get somebody's at the front door so someone's at the front door somebody so, is at the front door so to be fair i was going to try and call a um call time quickly before saying that uh mick has just said that we don't he, he's, he's agreeing with your point which is that we don't necessarily need regulatory alignment at all it's perfectly possible to trade under mutual recognition of terms standards of terms so i guess you've got to go and answer we've ex- we've kind of expanded that into an area where you know what i guess the point that the point I wanted to try and make from actually that that um, that piece was, um, let's be honest, let's not call it an Australian-style deal when actually no such thing exists. Let's say that we want to have something else that isn't a trading agreement. We want to have some sort of loose and and um, an open agreement because the things that we said that we weren't going to do, we are actually going to do. Let's be honest about that. The PM doesn't need to try to pretend that he's on side with people. He's got a whacking majority in government. At the end of the day, this is on his doorstep. It is for him to deliver. Mm, yeah. Um. And, you know, at the end of the day, we we're committed. This is happening. Let's let's get on with it. Let's do it. But let's let come on. Let's let's not insult the intelligence of the of the public by trying to pretend that some one thing you know something is one thing and and not the other. Let's let's be clear about what we want because that's the only way people are actually going to be able to you know move forward and deal with their lives. We want to build trust in our public institutions and trust in our politicians and we want to reunite the country surely after four years of arguing with each other let's let's start by actually being honest Hmm? shall we call it a day on that i think we should okay so i've been okay so we've been the pompey politics podcast and I've been Simon Sansbury. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. Thank you to our massive people who listened. If you enjoyed today, tell your friends. We'll be back at 1827 next Sunday, um, where we will have guests lined up in a, in a is the media, a media-based fake news special. Indeed. And please do, while you're busy listening to our podcast, of course, please do go and spend some time reading the fantastic articles on the Star and Crescent. Yes. is the... Owned by the people, it's the free to free to absorb, um, locally run uh, media service that's actually run by hardworking volunteers. And please do go consume some of their content because it's really good. Marvelous. Thank you. And credits. Thank you.